Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Good movement. And welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Lara podcast which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings everywhere. Today, I have a very special guest, a dear friend that I have known for the past almost 18 years, Jean Bauer. Jean is the founder of Farm Sanctuary. Look that up, farmsanctuary.org. He founded Farm Sanctuary by rescuing animals that had been either abused or neglected or both and started bringing them into his house. And then when he got the land, opened up this farm sanctuary, which is now dedicated to providing sanctuary for farm animals and and who have um, suffered any kind of abuse or neglect or all kinds of stuff. I've I've seen the animals at Farm Sanctuary and they all have stories. So check out their stories because they're amazing. And all of Jean's work goes into helping not only rescue farm animals, but helping the legislation for the treatment of farm animals and his ultimate goal is to have everyone eat a plant-based diet so that no cruelty is ever going to happen again for animals in the farm animal industry. And he works tirelessly on this campaign. We talk about that today. We talk about being vegan and all the benefits of that. So please tune in, whether you're vegan or not, you'll find a lot of great information in this interview today with this fabulous human being who truly is walking the path of higher consciousness, which is really what yoga is all about. Enjoy. Welcome, Jean. So great to be with you here. <laughs> so great to have you. You are. Um, I talk about you often, and I feel like you probably must have your ears ringing all the time because you truly have been such an integral um, role model for me and for Mark, and and of course for anybody who's listened to our podcast. Um, when Mark and I talk about our journey into veganism, you are the you are really the reason um, coming to Farm Sanctuary that weekend when we did our hoedown um, over 
let's see, 17 and a half years ago, which is crazy. Um, And just, we came back and full throttle just went right into being vegan. And what I appreciate so much about you is your absolute um, dedication and compassion, but not only to animals, but also to people. And I feel like your vegan conversion rate must be pretty high because of how you um, speak about it. And can we, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, the work that you do and advocacy, because I think that there's, it's grown so much in over the eight, you know, almost 18 years of knowing you. Um, what would you say are kind of the biggest changes that you've noticed in the animal advocacy activist movement? Yeah, well, well, first I'll just say thank you so much for those very kind words and thank you also for your effective advocacy and reaching people in a compassionate way, which I think is core to what our movement is about. And, you know, over the years we've been involved in various campaigns. Um, it all started with our undercover investigations where we would actually go into factory farms and document conditions and find living animals who were thrown away sometimes in trash cans. So we worked to stop some of the worst cruelties, like leaving five animals in trash cans, for example, mm. or confining animals in cages and crates where they're packed so tightly they can't even turn around. And we're still working on that. But in addition to working on campaigns to stop bad things from happening, I think there's a growing energy around promoting positive things like plant-based eating. And we're at a time now where there are significant investments going into plant-based companies. And so that's very exciting to see. And so in the advocacy arena, in addition to working on laws to prevent cruelty, I think there are opportunities to work on systemic shifts in our food system where instead of giving billions of dollars to animal agriculture, which the U.S. Department of Agriculture does every year, they start moving some of those dollars into promoting plant-based agriculture and plant-based foods. And so in the last farm bill, there was a little bit of money that did go into promoting the consumption of fruits and vegetables. There's this one program I'm thinking about in particular that gives out about 50 million a year, which is great. But when it comes to USDA money, it's a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot we can do there to systemically shift our food system by moving federal supports and other infrastructure uh, supports towards plant-based. So that's where I see a lot of future right now. Yeah, and that's what I, I love right. about what you do because you are you're kind of like hitting it on all the heads, right? You you're um obviously rescuing animals and demonstrating how um or or like exposing how cruelly these animals are being treated in the raising of them. And then you're coming in and you're educating people on that. But coming in in the legislation is, is I think this is the part that people not realize and how important that the their vote is in terms of the dollars they spend. And um, like, it's just, I'm sure you're also like, like sitting there on the sidelines cheering with this just huge rise in vegan products. Um, which I think like what you're saying is uh, ultimately probably going to be the thing that shifts more than anything, because as long as policymakers are getting kickbacks 
for supporting these billion-dollar animal agriculture um, industries, they're not going to really pay attention. But if the constituents, meaning us, if we're if we're buying products, and you you know, like I know that the um, better Beyond Burger is now like, you know, this very very substantial um, financial product. It's I think. Do you think that's one of the biggest ways that people can contribute to the change? Yes, I do. I think it's important for us to show up on election day and vote (laughs) with the polls, but we also vote every day with our dollars. Mm -hmm. And those votes of our dollars really add up. And the reason that we have the food system we do now is largely because we have fast food companies and agribusinesses that are selling products to consumers who are funding them. And so these industries have lots of money, which they can then invest in politicians who then give them more money through federal programs. So as consumers start purchasing more plant food, there is, I think, going to be more political influence among the plant-based food businesses, which is starting to happen. And then those will have some influence on politicians and on policy. It's all connected. Um, And when it comes to the things we can control, it's pretty tough to wave a wand and change the USDA's policies overnight. But every day we make choices about what we eat and we can very quickly decide to choose to eat plants instead of animals. I do realize for people, sometimes changing habits isn't easy. It might feel scary. People might be afraid that they're not going to like the food or, you know, there might be a variety of fears that, prevent quick shifts, but doing it slowly and incrementally and participating, for example, in a meatless Monday program where one day a week, somebody goes meatless or even vegan, hopefully, where they're not going to eat, you know, dairy products either. And then that starts becoming more comfortable and more familiar and less scary. And then it often leads to more change. So I think every day we can make choices that can make a difference. And and that's just by eating plants instead of animals. And I, I, I love the way you said that. Um, you know, it's interesting because what I've noticed in the vegan movement, just like many movements, there's there's a schism. And it's so unfortunate because we're all going for the same goal, which is to abolish cruelty to animals and um, to, to give them the same right to live with um, free of suffering and full of companionship and all the things that all sentient beings deserve. But what um, is is unfortunate, and this this I'm, this must happen in a lot of movements, is the movement within, within the movement itself, there are um, pockets and I don't want to say fighting, but, you know, and, and it's, it's too bad because I think that we only damage our overall mission when that, when that happens. How do you deal with the kind of... Activists who are very black and white, and I appreciate it because, again, we all have the same goal, which is obviously abolition of of this um, cruelty to animals. But how how do you um, kind of navigate that when people are when they admonish this kind of gray area where, like, well, you got to go all in and black and white, and what? How do you deal with that? Because I I, yeah. I know I deal with it differently too. So it's it's challenging, you know, Mm -hmm. and it has certainly been a big part of our movement. And I think it's pretty common in progressive movements. You know, if you look at, you know, the anti-slavery movement, the abolitionist movement from like the 1850s, there were different approaches. 
And I think it is healthy for there to be different approaches. I don't think any of us has a crystal ball. We don't, none of us have all the answers. I think it's going to be a variety of different ways to, to proceed. What, what is difficult, though, is when you have certain advocates attacking other advocates and spending time and energy criticizing somebody else uh, for doing something that they don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, again, we're a very passionate group. And so people <laughs> yeah. have you know, very strong opinions, right? which is great in some ways and challenging in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have very strong opinions we might not be very good at listening to other opinions. And I think that's one of the struggles that we have in this movement and that many movements have. And there's a whole other thing that I believe is happening that is a little bit more complicated. And that has to do with issues of trauma. And I think many times people in the animal movement come to the movement with trauma. Perhaps they have experienced abuse. And so they're especially able to empathize with animals who've experienced abuse and are more likely to react in, in, in hurt, hurt people, hurt people is, mm-hmm. you know, this one thing Absolutely. I've heard. And oftentimes people react because they feel hurt and are not necessarily recognizing how their reaction is affecting others and whether or not it is moving the move us forward as a movement. But fundamentally to me, Um, Our movement is about kindness, about compassion, about healing, and also recognizing that each of us is in a different place. We're all works in progress, and we need to be patient and respectful of others, even if we don't agree with them. So that's where I come down on it. And, And, you know, one of my mantras is you can't control others. You can only control yourself. So if somebody is doing something I don't agree with, or even if they're doing something I think is harmful, you know, I may speak with them and express my opinion but I also recognize that they ultimately have to make their own choice about how they want to proceed. That's a very yoga, that's a very yogic approach. And I've always admired your ability. I remember watching you in an interview many years ago uh, with a pig farmer who was basically proclaiming that he treated his pigs well. <laughs> and we yeah, there was right. all these kind of instances of abuse, and you just sat there and very, you know, um, calmly and democratically listened to him. And I think that that's given you such a platform because you aren't reactionary and you're, um, you are compassionate and and realizing that it's so much, um, the effects on the animals affect everyone. And we also have to think about the effect it has on the humans. In this work, I think it's, you have seen such incredible atrocities and just kind of unfathomable cruelty. And I think that um, activists who are subjected to that, uh, it, it's it's indelibly imprinted. How do you be the witness to it and yet um, stay, take care of yourself, take care of your heart, take care of your body, take care of your spirit so that you can stay as you have been? I mean, you know, I don't know, 30 plus years in this uh, movement where a lot of the times it must feel like you're pushing a boulder up a hill, you know? Yeah. How do you take no, care of? Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, essentially we're dealing with an impossible reality. Operating a sanctuary, we care for animals that have been rescued from abuse. Every single one of the billions of farm animals who are abused every year in the U.S. deserve to be rescued and allowed to live. And we can't even scratch the surface when it comes to the numbers. 
if we rescued a million animals a year, it would be a drop in the bucket because over 9 billion are slaughtered. So the numbers are immense. And so the reality is that it's impossible to do what ethically we feel that we must do. So then there's, you know, the serenity prayer. For me, that's mm-hmm. important, you know, which is to give me the strength, strength to change the things I can, the serenity to accept the things I can't change, and the wisdom to know the difference. And, you know, witnessing violence and cruelty is very difficult. And the way that I've been able to cope over the years is to focus on what I can do instead of focusing on and dwelling in what I can't. And so I recognize that there are billions of animals who are going to suffer and die needlessly. Mm -hmm. And, And that bothers me. But I don't dwell in that. I dwell in the individuals who were able to rescue and who come to farm sanctuary and are able to live out their lives. And as those animals heal, we also heal. Mm. So to me, it's about focusing on and dwelling in the positive things and building on the positive things while recognizing the horrible things. You, you can't dismiss them, but by dwelling in them, I think we hurt ourselves and, and make ourselves less effective over time. I, I agree. I, I totally agree. And I and and that's the thing is with any movement, um, whatever activism you're doing, if you focus on all the things stacked up against you, if you focus on the cruelty and and um you it can be so dark, so dark a place. And you see those people who really become um jaded and you know become addicted to different forms of medication and stuff because they're just trying to deal and cope. And, and at the end of the day, um, that's unfortunately not going to work. That's not going to work for you as an individual, as an advocate or activist, or um, for the greater good for the platform that you're trying to work for. It's, it's not healthy at all. I think sometimes animal people get very upset, understandably, and can sometimes become somewhat misanthropic Mm -hmm. when they look at what our species does. And if we are rational and we look at the impacts we are having on the planet, it's easy to be pretty upset about what human (laughs) beings do. Yeah. But it's important also to recognize that human beings have the potential to do really great things, just as we have the potential to do really horrible things. So try to focus on the good things, build those, encourage and support those. Yes. So for you personally, I've known you for a while and I've seen you practice yoga and you've done your marathons. And I think now, are you doing triathlons now or, or marathons or like how, um, how important it is for you to move yourself physically to also kind of not only literally take care of your body, but to kind of take care of your spirit. You know, it's been very important. Um, sometimes running is a way to sort of burn off steam and burn off energy, burn off aggravation and frustration. So that has been very positive and helpful for me. I've done a number of marathons. I've done a number of triathlons, including an Ironman. You know, right now, I'm not really training for anything. I'm just sort of running occasionally. Mm-hmm. But I've often joked about being in my pre-yoga phase. I, so, <laughs> I sort of stretch, but I don't really do yoga. Right. And I think that I'm at the time where yoga makes a lot more sense. It's moving the body and doing it in a way that is less sort of pounding as running yeah. uh, is, yeah. I think, something that would be very good for me to do more of. So I stretch, but I could do more of that. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I still run, but not as much as I used to. Okay, well, Jean, when we're done, I'll have to send you my link to my classes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, give you, some, this, this, I'll this, give you some monthly passes there because that would... I love Yeah. Yeah, and then maybe yoga up at the farm some days too. I would love that. We've talked about doing that. And I think a lot of people here would would come. There's nothing like being with the animals that are rescued and really putting yoga into action, which is the raising of the consciousness and seeing how we truly are connected. We are so connected. And when we um, put aside this, um, you know, screen or this wall or whatever it is that uh, separates us um, from from what we've been taught or whatever, we, we, we're so much happier in realizing the connection we have to everything around us, every person, every being, um, the earth. We, it just It's so intentional. And I think that's really what yoga is about, is to um, just to burn down those ideas of separation and really feel that interconnection. Which is so healing. You know, mm. oh, and it we, is. Feel, we see that at Farm Sanctuary with animals who heal and you can almost feel the the peace that comes from that experience that the animals and we share together. Yeah. And so, yeah, yoga, connecting with others, connecting with ourselves and the earth, so important, makes all the sense in the world. And it's really about healing, which is kind of what Farm Sanctuary is about. We heal animals who'd been discarded by an industry that saw them only as commodity. And by treating animals with kindness, we also heal ourselves, heal our own emotions, our own hurt from witnessing and experiencing that. And then by eating plants instead of animals, we help to heal the earth because it's much more efficient. We could feed more people with fewer resources by eating plants instead of animals. And it just makes all the sense in the world. And it's healthy for us. It's better for us to eat plants instead of animals. And you know, in this country, we're eating food that makes us sick. It's been estimated that we could save 70% on healthcare costs in the US by shifting to a whole foods plant-based diet. So it's it's crazy that we're eating food that makes us sick, but but we do. So eating plants instead of animals, going vegan, connecting with animals as friends, not food, is a win-win-win. It heals and helps everybody. It really does. And I feel like people are gonna find different reasons to go down the path of uh, veganism or eating plant-based? And how would you encourage people from the health perspective? Like, what what do you feel like for yourself and from the people that you have in your close circle? How have they benefited from eating plants? I mean, you've been oh, doing yeah. it for years and you look like, you know, like you're 20 years old, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been vegan since 1985. Wow, And, you know, I never had any big health problems and I thankfully still do not. Um, But I've seen many people who've had serious health issues turn those around by going vegan. And there are numerous examples online. You know, the, the website Forks Over Knives, for example, includes stories of individuals who lost a lot of weight, got off of diabetes medication or heart medication, are now running marathons when before they could barely walk around the block. So... There are those examples, but in addition to the physical benefits, I would say there are also emotional and even perhaps spiritual benefits because you're living in a way that is aligned with your humanity, with your own values of compassion. And I think most people really are compassionate, um, but also most people are supporting a food industry that is completely violent and cruel and unnecessary, this whole animal agriculture system. So there's this inconsistency between 
our values, where we're about kindness, and our behaviors, where we're supporting horrible cruelty. And so there's this disconnect and this dissonance that many people live with. I think once you start eating in a way that is aligned with your values, you feel better about it. You, you get rid of that dissonance. You feel better about yourself. And it's just a win-win again. So, um, so I think there's emotional uh, discord that exists in our current system that many people are unaware of. And oftentimes when people stop eating dairy products, for example, or other animal products, there was something that they always didn't feel very good about, but they didn't know it. And then they stop eating the dairy products and think, oh gosh, stomach <laughs> aches isn't a normal thing. So right, a, right, often, right. Oftentimes people have said that as well. So you're living in an, uh, a, a, a hindered way and a hurtful way and you're suffering you don't even know it. And then you stop eating these products and everything shifts. I mean, I know for me, when I stopped, I had been vegetarian when I came to Farm Sanctuary. And like after the hoedown and meeting you, we immediately came home and became vegan. And people will say, oh, that must have been hard. And I'm like, it was the easiest thing ever because all of a sudden I felt that hypocrisy, that veil of hypocrisy that I had worn and I knew it at some cellular level that was not right, that I was making these kind of judgments like I can eat this, I can wear this, but I can't eat this. And it would be horrible to cage the baby of this. You know, it's like all these kind of, you know, these, it was just like delineations that were, um, really man-made. I mean, we make them so we can feel better about something. And it was like, the, it was just clearing that shelf of hypocrisy, literally. And I know I felt like, like you said, for me, it was like this metaphysical, spiritual feeling of, and, and even now when I eat my kale salad and I'm chewing, I still have that, that feeling of just lightness and purity to it, that it, it does feel like, cause it is like you said, in line with my values. And I had, a, sort of like, yeah, yeah. You know, they say that we're the rational animal, but I think it's a lot more accurate to say that we're a rationalizing animal. Yeah, oh, totally. lot, oh, the rationalizing is rationalizing crazy. When we don't feel very good about what we're doing. And sort of like you were describing the delineations, well, this is okay. That's not okay. Uh, but those are rationalizations to enable us to continue doing something that is not fully aligned with you know, really our humanity and our compassion. Yeah, I was, I was, I was um, having a dinner with some yogis at this resort that we were at for a yoga retreat and they were talking and they were super intelligent. So that's always like an interesting thing when these, because intelligent people can really rationalize well. And, oh boy, yeah. You know, in this can. very like, and they were like, well, I tried vegan, but it didn't really work for me. And now I just make sure my, everything is well sourced. And I'm like, you're, that's not just a languaging that we, makes you feel like well-sourced. What does that mean? You know, like it's just this way that we have kind of um, itemized something to make ourselves feel better. That well-sourced means that the animal was raised well and it was, you know, clean and had fresh grass or whatever it is. Like it just is a way, let's just cut to the chase. Like you want it, you want to eat it and you've made it you've termed it something that makes you digest, literally like spiritually digest it. And, Absolutely. you know, and it's just, I, I just sat there and I was like, does any, I feel like I was living in an alternative universe. Does anyone else find that just the funniest word, like well-sourced? Like, what does that mean? But and, it, and, the it, con yeah. and the concept of humane slaughter is another one. Right, right. right. It's and, just crazy. And, like we want our, we I, really I, want it. Yeah. 
Ironically, the only federal law that protects farm animals against cruelty is called the Humane Slaughter Act. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, the word humane and the word slaughter really don't fit very well together. But you're right. It's, it's these rationalizations and these uh, telling ourselves a narrative and a story to say, oh, it's OK to do something that I actually don't really feel good about. At yeah, for. exactly. Now, speaking of these like um, USDA laws and stuff, I'm still always like kind of stunned with the amount of time it takes to change something like really fundamental, like how you worked on the Down Animal Act. Can you speak a little bit about like for people who have no idea what kind of legal protection farmed animals do not have? Can you speak to that? Like what is considered common practice? Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's horrible what happens to animals on farms in our food system. Um, well, in most states, you have anti-cruelty laws, but most states have also enacted exemptions for farm animals. So cruelty to animals is you cannot you know, deny an animal veterinary care or proper shelter and so on, except if they're a farm animal. And then if it's a normal agricultural practice, pretty much anything is allowed. So mm-hmm. as long as enough farmers start doing something like putting animals in cages and crates where they can't turn around, it's considered to be a normal agricultural practice and considered legal and acceptable. And so that's the situation. Federally, farm animals are excluded from the Federal Animal Welfare Act, which is crazy, but they're excluded. Um, chickens and other birds are excluded from the Humane Slaughter Act. So the vast majority of animals killed in the U.S. <clears throat> have no legal protection at the slaughterhouse. Oh, that's and, so crazy, yeah. You know, this is an industry that is deeply entrenched in Washington, D.C. and in state capitals. They have invested for decades in the political process. They have an awful lot of influence. After the USDA secretary finishes his his or her tenure there, they usually go and work for agribusiness somehow and vice versa. So you have this revolving door. And as a result, you have very few and very weak legal protections for farm animals. Now, in recent years, we have had some success There have been several initiatives that have banned some of the most inhumane forms of confinement of animals. There's initiatives that passed in California, for example, requiring that animals have at least enough space to turn around and stretch their limbs. It's very minimal, (laughs) but it's better than not being allowed to turn around and stretch your limbs. So it's less bad, Mm -hmm. but it's still not good. And the other thing that's happening now with growing awareness and concern about the cruelties of factory farming Many consumers are looking for alternatives. And so food businesses have started labeling foods to make them sound a lot more humane than they are. So the idea of organic food or cage-free or free range, all those terms sound a lot better than they are, and they're not carefully regulated. So food companies are getting away with misleading consumers with labels that exaggerate welfare claims. Um, And so we're at a time now where I think People want to know what they're buying, uh, but there needs to be more transparency and more accountability. Um, And the really good thing that is happening is more and more plant foods. So, and that's the easiest thing to do is to eat plants instead of animals. That that takes care of all these problems in one fell swoop. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Sometimes you have to go more for what you want than going against what's happening because it is like a Goliath and um, you want to stay 
you know, true and and strong and all that. But if you're constantly meeting up with um, so much, uh, you know, it's just, it's power. Yeah. Like you talked about and, 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 but we have a voice and we have our money, we have our dollars, we have our awareness. And this more than anything, um, I think when we bring to light, I've noticed in my own practice and teaching yoga and teaching teacher trainings, I always, being vegan is pivotal. And I don't really, you know, some people will be like, oh my God, I don't, can I do this teacher training? Like, how important is it to be vegan? And I say, I don't know, how important is it to you? You know, I just put the question back and then they're like, you know, cause I'm like, for me, it's really important because it's about who I am. And so, but I, I think the hardest thing is, um, this is going off on another track, is being vegan and not ha- not having people assume that you're judging them. And I think that you're such a great example of that. And I try um, to s- strive that way as well. And because we're making a personal choice, which of course we would love everyone to make because not because we're doing it, but because it would benefit the animals. But um, we also know that there's people move at their own time and they have to come to that realization. But I think if if they have this information, like what you're talking about in terms of that these animals have no protection and the vast numbers, like we can't even wrap our head around 9 billion animals that are killed every year for no reason except taste, literally. Like that's it. I think once they start to realize that and then they realize like, oh my, the plant food is can be so yummy. I'm not missing out on anything. And yeah. all of that alignment happens. Um, we're, we're challenging beliefs. You know, people mm-hmm. believe that the animals are here for this reason. And then they rationalize it just like we've rationalized many terrible things over the course of human history that, oh, we've always done it that way. Therefore, we should keep doing it that way. I mean, that was said about, you know, slavery or women not being allowed to vote. But just because something has been done a certain way for a long time doesn't mean it should continue. And as we learn and grow and evolve as a species, we can learn to do better. And I think this is part of that whole process. But, you know, we really are up against habits and infrastructures and beliefs. And, you know, one of the beliefs many people have is that eating animal foods is necessary, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Uh, Another belief people have is that drinking cow's milk is necessary to get calcium so you don't get osteoporosis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's also not true. In fact, if you look at our country here in the U.S., we drink a lot of cow's milk and we get a lot of osteoporosis. So if you start looking at the empirical evidence, eating plants is actually better for us. So it's dispelling these myths about whether eating animals is good for us, but also whether it's appropriate for us. And so we're challenging beliefs. And oftentimes these are deeply, deeply held. It's about identity. There's a lot of emotional attachment to it. There's family histories, there's traditions that are all being questioned and challenged. And I think we need to do it in a very kind and gentle, informed way and a supportive way and recognize that for somebody to go from eating a typical American diet, which is a lot of animal foods to vegan overnight can be scary and can be an adjustment. So we need to, I think, support any incremental step because I believe each incremental step leads to another one. And when you support good things, more good things start happening. I agree. And so for anybody out there who wants to start making those steps, um, on Farm Sanctuary, do you guys have um, some like 21-day vegan type menu challenge? Or do you have a um, website that you point people to? I know pcrm.org is really great for that. 
There's a ton of great resources mm-hmm. online. Um, my, the second book I wrote has 100 vegan recipes in it. So I oh, wanted yeah. to be sure to give people the, the how-to information. You know, So for my first book, which came out in 2008, it's sort of the history of Farm Sanctuary, how we started rescuing animals, documenting conditions, really the why it makes sense to shift to a plant-based diet. My second book, which came out in 2015 called Living the Farm Sanctuary Life, is more about how to do it, how to set up a vegan kitchen and 100 vegan recipes. So, But there's tons of great information online. And um, you can even just Google like vegan lasagna or vegan whatever. <laughs> and there's information now that you can get. It's uh, And there's so many types of plant-based alternatives to cow's milk now. You go to mainstream grocery stores and it's not just soy milk or almond milk. There's also coconut milk and cashew milk and oat milk and so Hemp many different products. Oh, all yeah. of it. Yeah, it's amazing. crazy. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I would say like, even in the time that I've been vegan, I can't imagine since you've been vegan, like when people say, oh, is this hard? I'm like, are you kidding? If you live, you don't even have to live in a metropolitan area, but if you live in a metropolitan area, forget about it. It'll be the easiest thing. And But it if is. you live in, um, there's a lot of areas that would s- still have support it easily. And, you know, if mainstream you, grocery stores, right. mainstream, and, Walmart. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, so it's really, it's easy yeah. and it's joyful and it's, and it's really, truly, um, I think, the right path to take in, in terms of the moral choices that we have. And there's so many um, horrific things in the world that we do not have control over and that can just um, bother us greatly, but we can choose um, what we what we eat. And yeah, like you said, it can be, it can take steps along the way. I know plenty of plenty of people that have gone through my training have become vegan. And the harder thing then is with their partners or their kids. And I say, you know, just be patient with it. And when it's appropriate, um, and when they're, when they're interested, um, start giving them the information, start showing them videos, not anything horrific, because sometimes that can be too much, but something that will encourage that, you know, this animal wants to live and thrive just, just like we do. And we can have, um, a lot of abundance in our life and never have an animal on our plate or in our, that's it. In our cup. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And, and leading by example, you know, because mm-hmm. we are social animals and we do what those around us do. You know, we just rub off on those who we are around. You know, I grew up eating meat because everybody around me was eating meat and I didn't really think about it. But when I did start thinking about it, I realized it didn't feel very good and I ultimately changed. But it's very helpful to be among other vegans and supported by other vegans. And I think it is important also to be very patient and to understand that we grow up with certain habits and beliefs yeah. that take some time to change. But I do think that's another great um, point that you're making besides just looking up different recipes that find like a meetup group or just a few other people so you don't feel alone in it. And it's so much easier now again. I remember when I became vegan um, after meeting Jean, uh, it was just me and Mark, and we like didn't know anybody else. And so when I when I opened the studio, um, my I, I kind of talk about like my my secret reason, not so secret, but it really was my secret reason was to have more people become vegan. <laughs> I wanted to teach really smart yoga and have be- more people become vegan. So I started doing vegan potlucks right off the bat. They became really popular, and now six years later, um, I have ha- I have you know so many people that are vegan in my community. And it's 
awesome. And we just kind of like the ripple effect is even magnified from the more the numbers. So it's, it's, it's so beautiful. And it's a win-win, you know, look, it's yeah. good for the animals, but it's also good for people. You know, when I do yeah. this work, you know, I really truly want people to be healthy and happy. You yeah. Just like I want animals to be healthy and happy. And just like I want the earth not to be destroyed the way animal agriculture is destroying it. So what we're talking about is really aligning people's behaviors with their own values and also with their own interests. Mm-hmm. It's not in a person's interest to eat food that makes them sick. So I am upset and sorry and sad to see that happening so frequently. And so with the work you're doing and leading by example, but then also being patient and providing people with the how-to part of it and mm-hmm. showing people that eating vegan food is tasty, is satisfying, is not that hard, is so important. You know, we're we're emotional animals. And if it's scary, we tend not to do it, you know? So making it less scary and more doable is so important. Yeah. You know, there's um, one little story. I had this woman that I was working with privately and she's vegetarian. And um, at the time she was vegetarian. And, and so we were just talking and, and she had a lot of like kind of inflammation in her, in her tissues. I was doing some myofascial work and she's, said something about, you know, she just gave me a little bit of an in. And I said, you know, it really feels like um, whether or not you want to believe this, it feels like some of this inflammation could be coming from the amount of dairy that you're eating. I really believe that dairy is, and it's been proven too scientifically, it's really hard for us to break it down. It's not a, you know, it's it's an animal, you know, it's an animal protein. The casein is an animal protein that's designed to grow this calf into a very large cow. And there's, and um, so I said, maybe why don't you try just eliminating dairy from your diet and see the effects of that. So three days later, three days later, she texts me. She said, oh my God, I am already feeling different. I had no idea. She said, I was taking like chugging Tums and acid. I had them in my car. I had them in my bed. And it was so like habitual. She didn't even realize that the reason she was like chomping on these Tums was because she was having such a hard time digesting dairy, which most people do because we're not, hey, news alert, we're not cows. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, this is not rocket science, people. But it was amazing. Three days she felt it. And she was just like, I'm like, she said she was like, you know, dumbstruck that that it had, that she didn't feel that need to. And anyway, so of course she became vegan and um, she lost weight too. And, and um, which I think a lot of that was just being held in the form of bloat, you know, and inflammation and, and whatnot in her tissues. It's like, I could almost feel it. And so it's just amazing. So that's just an example of the Tums. Like she was chewing them, not knowing why, but just, it was almost like uh, you know, it was almost like brushing her teeth. She was just doing it and not thinking about why. And, and you know, it. you will feel better. You will feel different. And sometimes there is also this little transition period where you don't because so, you're, you're getting rid of some, I believe you're getting rid of crap out of your body. And so the, don't like, don't dismay and, and forget trying it because of that transition period. No, definitely. And, uh, and as you say, like with this person who was taking Tums, that was normal. And, you know, bad becomes normal. Totally. And that exists with our own health, but also in some cases with the medical profession, right? So I'm, I'm in my mid, I'm 56 right now. And I had not been to a doctor for a long time. So about 10 or so years ago, 
I just felt I should go to a doctor, just get a checkup, make sure everything's okay. So I go to this doctor and he starts asking me about family history. And I told him that my grandfather died of a heart attack and my father had a heart attack. And then this doctor, without taking any tests or anything, said he might want to put me on heart medication. (laughs) And I was stunned. I was stunned. So I, I left that hospital, never went back, got my blood test done, and it was all fine. And so the medical profession is very quick in many cases to just give you drugs. Yeah. And even if you don't need them. And so many people in our country are taking drugs that they don't necessarily need to take if they eat well and live healthy lifestyles. So this is another part of our whole system. It's our medical system and it is our belief system that we need these drugs. So, and and doctors have it in many cases too. So, yeah. So so just because you know somebody who's on drugs and, you know, all that doesn't mean that you necessarily need to go on those heart drugs. No, I know. I know. I have family members that are in on medication that I know they don't need if they if they just change their diet. You know, Hippocrates said it first, let food be thy medicine. I mean, it is true. What you put in your body is either going to make you feel good or not. And it's going to either work in your system and work on your and your, on your physiology or it's not. And I feel like, well, yeah. of course you feel light when you eat plants. It's just true. Um, not that yeah. you can't be a little junk food too, but it, yeah. vegan, there's plenty of those, but yeah, oh, but boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that can be fun every once in a while, just like anything. Um, well, yeah. I, so appreciate your time. And for everybody out there, um, we are, my husband and I, we have developed this website and this can- tradition and campaign that we do. It's called C2C4 um, Compassion, which stands for Coast to Coast for Compassion. And so four years ago, uh, three, now yeah, five years ago, we walked um, across England, this coast to coast, and we raised money for humane education which is where Mark got his uh, master's degree, thanks to Gene. Gene recommended that as a way of learning and um, establishing kind of advocacy work because Mark was very deterred and dismayed by the the hard work that you're doing legislation-wise. And he has so enjoyed um, doing the humane education work. And so we raised money and then we did it again in Scotland. And then this year we're going across Wales and we really wanted to raise money for Farm Sanctuary, since this is where it all began for us. So please check out our site, c2c4compassion.com. And when you donate, all of the proceeds go to Farm Sanctuary. We self-fund our hikes. Um, We just bring awareness, we raise awareness and money for these organizations that are near and dear in our heart that are doing such amazing work. So can you tell people where their money would be going? Um, 100% of the profits are going to Farm Sanctuary this year when we do this hike. And yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, well, well, thank you so much for doing that. We're really, really grateful. And oh. hopefully lots of folks will sign up and support it. Um, yes. So with Farm Sanctuary, we operate sanctuaries for rescued farm animals in upstate New York and in California. So these animals get to live out their lives. And so some of the funding obviously goes to take care of the animals. We do tours of the sanctuaries where people get a chance to come and and meet the animals, get to know them as friends, not food. We also do education. We have humane educators in schools talking about who these animals are, about where they came from and the problems with our animal agriculture system. We also work on legislation to prevent some of the worst cruelties. And we're now exploring ways to try to change our food system and tilt some of the enormous 
financial and academic infrastructure that USDA supports away from animal agriculture towards plant-based. So it ultimately boils down to treating animals with compassion, changing our food system so that we are eating healthy plant foods instead of factory farmed animal foods. It's really a multi-prong approach. And that's why I think it's incredibly effective because you're doing all of it, education. And I would really, really encourage anyone that is anywhere near New York or California, but like fly in because it's so worth it. These sanctuaries are incredible. Mark and I have that's, of course, where we met Jean originally, but we've been back since then um, half a dozen times. We've stayed on the premises in the cabins. It is, and I've had many people go there and they all say the same thing. It's like the fresh air, the animals, the just um, everything about it is truly loving. You you feel hope. You know, that's what you feel. It's like- It's a, it's a place uh, of peace and healing. It really for animals is. And for people. It's a, a sanctuary, which is like a sacred, holy place. It's yeah. a sanctuary. It is. It is. You see, you get to, um, you know, interact in those tours with the animals and you just think um, how resilient we always think about the human spirit. It is resilient too, but these animals that something has been, um, you know, perpetrated on to them or on them. And then they have just this forgiveness and it, and they teach us really, they truly teach us um, that spirit of compassion and forgiveness and healing. And so it's so, so worth it. Um, it's a lovely experience. And in the meantime, you can donate to Farm Sanctuary, go on to our website and do that. Um, thank you so much, Jean. I am, I'm, again, I just admire all your work. You're, you're such a leader um, and you do it with, with just such kindness and I think that's why you're so effective. And and you're and I love that you take care of yourself because you have to for, for the animals, right? Um, yeah. And I appreciate your time today. And I, I would just want everybody to go and meet Gene because he's he's amazing, human being. No, well, thank you, Laura. And everybody should meet Laura too. And she's doing <laughs> great stuff. And get into yoga. Yoga is a good right. and healthy thing. It is, it's, it so, is. It's positive. It yeah. is, yeah. Thank you so much for doing your work and... Peace out, everybody. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 